Thanks for downloading this podcast on the Lawn and Landscape Radio Network. We had the chance to speak with Kevin Gujer, Chief Operating Officer of Pioneer Landscape Centers, about how to build a good relationship with the supplier, his company's response to COVID-19, and other topics. Here's our conversation with Kevin. Thanks for joining us today, Kevin. Can you give us an overview of Pioneer Landscape Centers, you know, locations, employees, just give us some background? Absolutely. Uh, Pioneer Landscape Centers uh, has been around since about 1968. Uh, currently, uh, we have about 35 locations in Colorado and Arizona. We own about 20 different quarry operations. <clears throat> and then uh, in addition to that, some uh, probably about four or five different uh, production facilities. We're doing mulch and soil mixes across Arizona and Colorado as well. And we have about 510 employees or so at the current time. And as a, a landscape supply center, a lot of our, our audience you know, shops at, at supply centers. So how can a landscaper develop a good relationship with the land, landscape supply center? Um, what are some tips you have to build that, that good relationship? Uh, well, first thing I'd say is, is frequency. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the more frequently that they visit our locations and the more that they get to have a, a conversation and or build a relationship with the folks that work in our stores, uh, it's just going to get better and better from there. Second thing I would say besides frequency is, um, uh, I don't know how to say but but I guess, I guess uh, clarity. You know, the more that they can tell us about the projects they're working on, bringing samples in of things they need us to find for them, uh, even plans for us to look at from time to time, uh, that helps us out a lot. A lot of times, you know, we get a lot of vague directions as to what people are looking for, and it makes it harder and harder to help. Um, but, but I think that uh, the more prepared they are, the more prepared we can be. It's almost like they come into the store and they don't think they they don't they might not think you want to know. They might just think you're there right. to to take their money and, and that's it. But but there is a sort of method behind the madness. Absolutely, and and to me, it's really it's about building a relationship, you know. And and what you'll find is that our entire business really is built on relationships, whether it's at the store level or through our commercial sales teams or whatever it may be, it's, it's very much relationship-based selling. So the, the, the better the relationship that we form, uh, it's the, the higher the likelihood that we can help is going to be. How um, can a good relationship with the landscaper um, help you and help the landscaper? What are some of the benefits? Well, I, I will tell you, you know, there's a, uh, I mean, just calling a spade a spade, a lot of times it helps with pricing. Because the better the relationship is, then we, we start to get uh, more clarity around the volumes that they're dealing with in terms of the actual raw materials, right? Um, you know, we may only see them for one or two jobs and it's, you know, five tons here or 10 tons here, but they might actually be doing, you know, 1,500 ton jobs or 2,000 yard uh, jobs on, you know, nearby farmland or whatever the case may be. And so as we build that relationship, I think what will happen is we'll have a better idea of the volumes or the uh, the quantity of work that they do. And that'll actually help us help them with pricing. Um, you know, we will know what size of a customer we're actually dealing with. Um, and and that, that's a that's a huge benefit for anybody. And you may have answered this uh, in those previous answers, but is there one thing that landscapers can do to make your life easier? Uh, you know, I, I would say, honestly, it's communication. You know, I, I, I think in, in addition to building those relationships that we're intending to build in the stores, um, you know, 
the more that they can tell us about what's actually happening with their projects, um, in, in good or bad too, quite frankly. You know, where are we winning with them? What are we not winning on? How can we help in other ways that we may not even be thinking of at the at the moment? Um, that that communication piece, uh, I believe, is crucial. And with face-to-face communication still being the number one way to communicate with, with COVID, that's obviously hard um, or at least more difficult than it was in past years. So how, have, uh, how has this affected the supply side of the industry? You know, it's it's funny uh, you mentioned that because we we did a, an incredible amount of planning um, as COVID started becoming prevalent. So back in kind of early to mid March, um, before I think we were all um, fully aware of the extent to which COVID was going to impact our business, we started having meetings on a pretty regular basis. And one of the very first things we did was found a way and uh, through some technolo- some technological advances. Um, that we can still have the communication with our customers, uh, but keep our customers and our employees safe. Um, so we mobilized a lot of our technology. We mobilized our point of sale system. So uh, all of our customers, whether it's retail or contractors, they don't even have to come into the store. They don't even have to leave their vehicle. They can, they can base pretty much uh, get everything they need right from their truck. Um, and we, And then for the stores that we did have to have people who still want to come in, uh, we created all kinds of opportunities for social distancing and kind of a, a contactless uh, system. Uh, and we're pretty proud of it. It was, uh, you know, we had already been working on this, but this kind of fast-tracked a lot of this, these technological advances. Uh, and, and honestly, it's prepared us dramatically uh, uh, for COVID. Do you think this is going to permanently change the way you do business in some aspects and the way you're selling products to landscapers? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, In fact, what we found, um, there's already a large chunk of our business that is pretty much done over the phone. It's people calling in and ordering the material they want, and we're pretty much shipping it off to them, and off we go. Um, So that's not going to change. In fact, I think that's probably going to increase because, again, if people don't have to go to a store, then they they won't, but we still want to make sure that um, through different technology, whether it's phone or uh, delivery app that we're in the process of developing, uh, where people can pretty much be in their backyard and say, oh, look, I need some more mulch and order it and then have it delivered the next day. You know, things like that that we're actually building now will help. Um, but but truthfully, a lot of those processes and techn- uh, technological advances that we've input into this system, if you will, for, for our business, um, I think have improved our efficiencies and even improved those relationships and streamlined um, you know, the, like, for instance, the, the speed at which someone can get in and out of a store uh, has improved so much. So, so yeah, I, I think there, I think some of those changes are going to be permanent. In fact, I think we're just going to, in, in the uh, essence of continuous improvement, I think we're just going to get better at it. What are some lessons or maybe just one or two lessons that you have learned during these six months or however long this has been going on? Yeah, it looks like about six months. Um, something you take away from it, um, maybe something you hadn't thought of, just an overall lesson learned. Sure. Um, I would say first and foremost is uh, don't be afraid to circle your wagons, right? Uh, no pun intended with their name being Pioneer, but but still, <laughs> nonetheless, you know, um, you, when you have a leadership team and some of the folks that are in the periphery of that as well, get them involved. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of folks that have a lot of knowledge around your business, and the more that we were able to get them involved through the planning process, the better prepared we were. 
Um, so don't hesitate. And, and as much as it can seem like a burden, we met nearly every single day in the beginning of COVID in preparing for every scenario. But it was that interface with our leadership team and being agile as a team that allowed us to do that. So, so I, I certainly wouldn't be afraid to circle the wagons. Um, second is there, there's no excuse to uh, sideline safety. Um, you know, we took the approach that, uh, um, you know, it's, it's safety first and people always in our business. And um, that approach, we can pretty much see it through all of our planning inside of COVID. We couldn't think, even though it, we, there might have been an easier way to do something, if it exposed or, or uh, made a situation less safe for one of our employees or one of our customers, we wouldn't do it. We'd find the right way to do it. And as a result, uh, most people uh, who have a, a focus on safety will tell you that a safe business is also, also a more profitable business. So there's uh, ancillary reasons also for just being safe and putting safety first, and, and we certainly did that. You had said you, you met every day, and I think that's um, owners in our industry might struggle with uh, when to meet, what to meet about. So for these meetings, how long are they going, um, and what, what are the topics? So, yeah, so uh, back in the early stages of COVID, we generally meet for about an hour and a half every single morning. It was generally our first meeting of the day. Um, and we would run through, we had kind of, we'd work through different scenarios, like what what if, and if this, then that, you know, and work through almost <laughs> almost what it looked like worst case scenarios and best case scenarios, and then put together uh, basically what we would do in reaction uh, to each scenario and then in preparation of each scenario. So we were being proactive and reactive at the same time. And and after about probably two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks of meeting like that every morning, um, and a lot of this was done over WebEx. Um, you know, we had, uh, we, we installed uh, other technological advances like uh, WebEx systems in our office so that pretty much our entire uh, it, pretty much our entire office staff could be mobilized. So we didn't really even have to meet face to face. But as we did that, then we had, then we very quickly, we were able to start meeting less and less. And now even to this day, uh, we have a COVID meeting once a week. Um, and it's about, it ends up being about 30 minutes. We walk through scenarios, uh, any particular issues that have arisen, um, how we address the issues, um, anything that anybody in the team needs to help out or be a part of. And then we break and move on with our regular, uh, regular amount of work. Yeah, you just want to avoid avoid the meeting to have the meeting. It sounds like you guys have done that. Exactly, and and I I would say one key to that, you know, just with any meetings, whether it's you know COVID related or not, is have an agenda. Um, you know, keep keep organized. No one likes to have meetings. Uh, I can speaking from personal experience. I'm I'm not a fan of them all the time, but I think when they're structured and purposeful, uh, then they're great. You know, then you're getting productivity out of it, and and they move faster that way too. It's usually meetings that don't have an agenda is where they end up falling apart and. And uh, they end up going down rabbit holes and everything else. <laughs> One topic I did want to tr transition here for a minute and talk about is some of your uh, the company's growth uh, via mergers and acquisitions. This industry on the landscaping side is is pretty hot with mergers and acquisitions with uh, the amount of private equity that's investing in it. Um, so first of all, yes. how many have you done recently? So um, we we acquired. Let's see, in 2018 we acquired three companies. Um, two in Arizona, one in Colorado, uh, and then spent a good chunk of 2019 integrating those companies. And then uh, in since 2019, we've acquired, I wouldn't say companies, we've acquired different operations. Um, so, I, and I, I guess that probably is 
the shift we've made from our M&A activity. It's been less about acquiring the companies and more about acquiring the assets, if you will. Um, so whether it was a quarry opportunity or, or a production opportunity, something along those lines. But uh, there's been four quarries that we've acquired since 2019, so about mid-2019 to now. And I know you are in a different, uh, you're on the supply side, but what general advice do you have um, for our listeners on how to make a transaction like that smooth when you are involved in, a, in an acquisition? Planning. Uh, I, I would say that there's there's two parts. One is is don't be afraid of the details. The devil is in the details when it comes to the acquisitions. Right. Um, and then once you get through the planning piece, it's all about integration. Um, you know, it's a lot of hard work going through uh, a large uh, acquisition, and usually the largest chunk of the work comes after the fact, which is when now you've got new employees, new systems, new processes, you know, trying to merge them. Um, I, I highly recommend, and it's something that we took on, is we actually had teams of folks that were focused on very specific aspects of the integration, um, and that allowed us to uh, basically highlight issues that we needed to address and work through, and then work through them, um, and, and have a highly mobile team or agile team that could do it. I, I, that would be... That, that's my biggest piece of advice. Don't underestimate the, the challenges that come from it. And also be prepared for what you didn't find out during the acquisition process. <laughs> get, get some curveballs thrown your way sometimes? Eh, yeah, of course. Uh, you always will. I mean, you should, you should, you should plan on it. Um, and, and I think that if you, as long as you know that they're there, just be prepared for them. And I think if you have a, a team that's uh, functionally set up to work through those scenarios, then the curveballs will be minor. I always find it interesting to hear from an owner's perspective about their first uh, interaction with the new employees, how, how they address them. Are they doing it individually? Is it a big room? How did, what is your first uh, uh, interaction with them? Or if it's someone else from the company, who's addressing the company and what is uh, the new employees, I'm sorry. And what is uh, the message there? Sure. Um, for the larger acquisitions in 2018, we actually brought everybody into the large room we had some presentations prepared for them so they can kind of learn a little bit about us. You have to remember that uh, a lot of these, being that the landscape industry is very fragmented, um, you know, a lot of the folks that are probably involved in the acquisition were probably competitors with each other at some point in time. <laughs> so, right. so you almost, you have a room full of rivals, you know, uh -huh. in, in, to some degree. And so, um, you know, it's really good to break bread with them. You know, uh, we made sure that as a leadership team, our entire staff was involved in the acquisitions. So uh, uh, we made sure that, you know, just about every single um, manager, director, executive, um, you know, and even folks from our retail stores and dispatch teams and everything else were actually involved step by step. So they got to, you know, shake a lot of hands and, and meet, meet these folks face to face uh, and then answer a lot of questions. I mean, I, I think we had we gave presentations for 25, 30 minutes. And then after that, we just spent time asking, you know, answering just question after question after question and mingling with folks uh, for, for those who wouldn't want to ask questions in a larger setting. Um, and it was, uh, it was really meant to try to personalize the process, uh, I think was probably a, a, the big key. In our more recent acquisitions, it was a little different because they're much smaller. So it, the focus was on um, kind of building the pioneer way, if you will, so the way in which we do business and integrating that business into the way we do business. Um, but it was done with, you know, one, two, one to maybe five employees at a time. So it was a, a little cleaner, smoother process, if you will. 
Kevin, I, I appreciate I appreciate uh, your time today and in, in the conversation and getting to know a little bit about Pioneer Landscape Centers. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? No, I just wanted to say thanks for the time. Um, you know, it was fun, and I'm glad I got a chance to answer some of these questions. And uh, uh, and and we're proud to actually share some of this information. The work that we put in through COVID, um, you know, it's something that I think we're going to look back on several years from now when. You know, everybody's going to look back at COVID and, and look back at 2020 and wonder, you know, how it all happened. I think this is one of those things that, despite the turmoil, we look we'll look back on it fondly because it was a time when I think uh, leadership um, leadership mattered, and so we're pretty proud of that. So thanks for letting me share. Great, thank you, Kevin. You bet. Thank you, Brian.